0: Just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers, it's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion, yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. Welcome back to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. Now, I'm recording this much later in the day than I normally do. Normally, it's in the early morning hours, but I couldn't do it last night or this morning because, well, I was fucking tired. (laughs) I'm not normally tired. I'm not that crazy active, but uh, I had to help my son move. Now, I hate moving anybody. I'd rather get a prostate check or a root canal than helping somebody move. But it's my kid, and my wife says we're doing it. So I really had no choice in the matter. Now, it's January 31st. I've been talking to my son. He says, oh, yeah, I'm getting this ready, getting this ready, doing this. So his mom and I go over to his house on January 31st, has to be out on the 1st, and I look around and he hasn't done a fucking thing. He hasn't moved anything. He hasn't boxed anything up. So we're starting from the get when we get there. And again, he's younger. He lives in an apartment. It's not a huge amount of shit, but my wife and I are old. We can't handle as much as we once did. So we're working away. My wife has to go off to work, so it's kind of left to me. And as I say, it's not insurmountable because it's not a lot of stuff, but it takes time. And then you got to clean shit. And you got to. I'm not built for that shit. I'm built for sitting behind a microphone and just talking. Actually, lifting things and putting in manual labor, man, that's out of my realm. You know, it's funny. I've got one of those pedometers or whatever on my phone. You know, every day they'll give you these bits of encouragement. Oh, man, you're working hard today. You had 100 extra steps today. Generally, that thing sends me notes like, hey, is this thing on? <laughs> but yesterday when I got it on, I got a note that said, are you running from the law? Because this is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I'm lying about that. But you know what I mean. So right now I'm a little stiff. Um Still a little tired, but when I got home last night about 11.30, I said, fuck this. I'm going to bed because I am tired, and I was a bit achy. So I got up this morning. I did whatever I have to do. It's later in the afternoon right now. I said, fuck it. We'll just do it then. What the hell? I mean, it's a podcast. You can listen to it any time you want. And if you were missing this podcast, I got like, uh, I don't know, 300, uh, no, 170 of them you could listen to until I got this one out. So anyway, let's talk about what's going on. There is a lot of stuff going on. Uh, The House Select Committee is obviously investigating the insurrection. They're finding bits and pieces of information that tie to Donald Trump. We didn't know that at first, but now there's a lot of it connecting Donald Trump, which is even more troublesome and more egregious. And this spells trouble for Donald Trump. So what does Donald Trump do? He goes to his Texas rally and he confesses to the whole fucking thing. He's talking about trying to get Mike Pence to do this and he should have been able to decertify the election. The guy is actually confessing to the crime. its I mean, when you think about that particular incident, the insurrection, that's frightening and enough. But then you have to realize just how much planning and how much strategy and how many different angles he's been coming at this. It's fucking crazy. I mean, you have the insurrection. At first, people thought, oh, a bunch of crazy people just crashed into the uh, U.S. Capitol. But that's not it. We found out that the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, and the uh, One Percenters there, kind of coordinating things. Then we find out that they're coordinating with Congress members and even the White House. I mean, you remember when one of the Oath Keepers sent a note uh, to Mark Meadows, the Chief of Staff for Donald Trump, and said, yeah, it's getting a little crazy out here. We need some direction. Oh, you need some direction from the White House. Well, we find out that Well, the White House was fucking involved. And then, of course, we've got Donald Trump calling Georgia and presumably other states and trying to coerce the Secretary of State into overturning the election. He said, all I need is 11,780 votes. And then it got to the point where he said, just say it's bad and I'll take it from there. It's pretty fucking crazy. We've got the... Voting machines, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. Apparently, he was going to grab the voting machine, the fake electors in these seven or eight states. He was messing with the census. He was messing with the U.S. mail, with Lewis DeJoy and trying to slow things down. Now, there was a time, I thought this, when I was talking about Donald Trump. Everybody would say, "When is Donald Trump going to go to jail?" And I would say, it's unlikely that Donald Trump will go to jail because he's former president of the United States. I mean, that's just unprecedented. Um, no matter what crimes or corruption that a president has committed, usually they get off. And the reason they do that because it has a lot of political ramifications. If you've got a Democratic president and he's sent to jail, then the whole Democratic parties are going to be going after the next Republican president. And you can see how that would be a mess. I mean, whether it was justified or not to indict, prosecute, and convict a president, a former president, um, these people would still be going after it. Because remember, the Republicans are bad, but the Democrats aren't far behind at least prior to Donald Trump. So the idea of actually charging and prosecuting a president was unlikely. They'd probably get off. Now his administration and people around him, they could go to jail, as we saw with uh, Richard Nixon and Watergate. Of course, he got pardoned after he resigned by Gerald Ford, but a lot of his administrators ended up in jail. Richard Nixon could have gone to jail, should have gone to jail, but uh, he got the pardon. And there really is no precedence for going after a president legally. It just poses a lot of problems and a lot of partisanship and a lot of retribution, and they just stay away from doing it. But here's the thing. That is true over our years as a country and in history. But we are at a time right now that is unprecedented. We've seen presidents and politicians commit crimes like stealing money or misusing money or lying to Congress or breaking into the Democratic national uh, headquarters. We've seen those sorts of things, and they're relatively minor by the things we see now. Now, those people weren't at risk. Those presidents weren't at risk of going to jail. Bill Clinton wasn't going to go to jail for lying to Congress, he just got impeached, and then he got set free by the Senate, not unlike Donald Trump did twice. But we're looking at something right now that we've never seen before, never to this scale, never to this dangerous level that we're seeing now. We're seeing a president trying to overturn election, ultimately overthrow a government, fucking owning up to it, admitting and confessing to it. And there are all kinds of problems and 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 issues that he was involved in that were attacking this country. It's not just one thing. As I said, you know, it was the January 6th insurrection. It was the fake electors in the seven states. He fucked with the census. He fucked with the U.S. mail. And here's one that I really find most interesting. We're now just hearing about how... He had an interest in seizing the voting machines after the election. Now, we first heard about this when Michael Flynn, that crazy fuck. Now, remember, when Michael Flynn was saying this, he'd already been convicted of a felony. Donald Trump had already pardoned him, and now he's on some crazy-ass rant. And after the election, he said on TV, Donald Trump won the election. And Donald Trump has the power and should seize all the voting machines across the country. Well, when we heard that, we thought, yeah, fucking right. Yeah, Yeah, you do that. That's crazy. Who would even really consider that? And it goes back to what I said before. Donald Trump is directly involved in every one of these fucking things. For as crazy as Mike Flynn sounded here. Turns out Donald Trump really went after the situation. He really wanted to do that. At first, he asked Rudy Giuliani to ask the Department of Homeland Security, go ask him if they'll seize all the voting machines. Well, he did that, and guess what? They said, yeah, no, we're not doing that. But he didn't quit there. No, then he went to the Department of Defense, the Pentagon. He said, look, man, I need you to to, uh, seize all the voting machines. And they looked at him like he was crazy and said, no, we're not doing that. But he still wasn't done. Then he went to the Department of Justice, to William Barr, and he says, look, I really need you to seize these voting machines. Now, William Barr, as corrupt as he is, he's not stupid, he said, no, we're not going to do that. I mean, the fact of the matter is William Barr himself said there was no election fraud and that it was one of the best, uh, most accurate elections in history. So William Barr wouldn't do it. Fortunately, nobody would do it because they had better sense. They understood what might happen. But can you imagine, can you just imagine what might happen if one of those departments said yes? I mean, you've got to remember, each one of these departments is are, are some of the most powerful in this country. In fact, they're the most powerful departments in the world. If one of them said, yeah, we'll go grab those machines for you, Donnie, that would have been a fucking mess. That would have changed a lot in this government. It would have changed our country. It would have been horrific. It would have been our democracy gone forever. Just on that one situation. So as I've said, Donald Trump was standing on the outside, and the way he wants you to make it think is, all these people are working independently, and they're trying to help me because they love me. I'm their Lord and Savior. But it sounds like now that Donald Trump and the White House and members of Congress were all in the planning of the strategies, trying to do whatever they could do. And at first we thought it was just the insurrection, try to crash in and stop the certification of the election. But later we find out that there are more things, like I said, the fake electors, the census, the U.S. mail. And now trying to grab up all of the voting machines, seize them, give them to some crazy conspiracy theorist who will say, oh, yeah, Donald Trump actually won. There was all kinds of election fraud. Now, It sounds really stupid and simple, but you have to understand Donald Trump is, in fact, stupid and simple. So it isn't surprising that this is what he came up with and this was his strategy. The real frightening thing is all the different angles he came at this. Trying to convince the people in Georgia, the Secretary of State, to overturn the election. Trying to coerce him. The voting machines. uh, The insurrection. I think Donald Trump actually knew he was going to lose, and he made plans prior to that loss to avenge that loss and to hopefully overturn the election. What Donald Trump does is when he has a situation that's not going his way, he introduces chaos and uncertainty, and then he grabs hold of the narrative. If there's one thing that he can pick out and say, see, I told you, I told you there's fraud, that's how he does things. That's why when he talked to the DOJ and he talked to the Secretary of State of Georgia and he said, listen, just say it was bad and I'll handle it from there. He knows all too well how to do that. He's been doing it all his life. Anytime something negative comes up, he steps up and starts confusing the issue and blaming somebody else. Donald Trump is never guilty of anything. In his mind, he always blames it on somebody else, on projection. If you say he's a pedophile, then he's going to say you're a double pedophile. That's just the way he does it. That's just the way narcissists do this. And unfortunately, some people fall for it. Most people don't. But now Donald Trump is out there confessing to wanting to overthrow the government and and overturn the election. He says Mike Pence could have not certified the election and maybe signed those fake electors certificates. I mean, he's throwing it out there in public. And you're probably saying to yourself, why would he do that? Why would he confess to it? Well, you have to understand how a sick fucking mind like Donald Trump works, a narcissist, a sociopath. He sees this coming down the pike, and he thinks if he mentions it and acts like he meant to do it, it'll somehow take the edge off the problem. Now, in normal situations, dealing with your family or a small business or something, you might be able to pull that off because there are plenty of people that are kind of, Obliged to you or work for you, and they'll just accept it because they have to, not because they believe it. But Donald Trump's in a different arena now. He's got a bunch of people that aren't obliged to him and don't have to listen to the shit and know better, and they're going to call him out. See, he's using strategies he's used all his life, but they don't work in this arena because he doesn't have the power and control that he had in those other situations. And that's the thing that's bugging him the most. That's the thing a narcissist has to have. They have to have total control over their family, over their wife, over their kids, over their company, over their employees. He tried to do the same thing while president of the United States, and it worked to a certain extent with his administration and some of those members in Congress. In fact, all of the Republicans. Fact is, he still controls those Republicans in spite of all that's come out. These Republicans still stand by him. Lisa Murkowski is a good example of this. This is unexplainable. Now, Lisa Murkowski is a Republican, represent, a Republican representative uh, from Maine, I believe. And she's, she's kind of weird. She kind of flips flops, and she's not a very strong uh, entity in the House of Representatives, but she is Republican. Now, when the impeachment came along for Donald Trump, she voted to impeach him, and she got all kinds of heat from Donald Trump. He's going to primary her and all this shit. He got mad because anytime anyone speaks out against him, he goes immediately into attack mode, and he will do everything he can, call every name, and try to damage that person. He won't, he won't uh, act on whatever's said. He won't bring up any facts to fight that. He just goes after them personally. That's what he does. That's what narcissists do. Again, it goes back to the whole bullying thing. They don't have any substance. They aren't very bright. So all they know is to attack and be a bully and hope against hope that that person will fold up and just say, okay, anything you want. And Lisa Mikowski pretty much does that. Because, you see, somebody was talking to her in the news, and they asked Lisa Murkowski, uh, you voted to impeach him, you're now talking negatively about Donald Trump going up and wanting to pardon all the January 6 rioters should he become president. You're talking about that, you don't believe in that, you don't think that was a good idea. But then the interviewer said, uh, well, Miss Murkowski, In 2024, if Donald Trump is running, would you vote for him? Would you support him? You know what she did? Fucking nothing. She said nothing. She's too frightened to say anything. Here's this dumpy fucking shit pants, Mar-a-Lago living piece of shit. And this representative, or this senator, is afraid of him. Fucking afraid of him. And so are all the Republicans. You know, you got a lot of people like uh, Lauren Boebert, uh, like Mitch McConnell, all these people that side with Donald Trump. And then they decide, well, maybe we're not for those things, but they won't speak out about it. Isn't that the old story about Germany? It wasn't so much the Nazis who crashed through the uh, cities and towns and uh, took control, and did the horrible things to the Jewish people. It was those people who said nothing. They thought, well, it doesn't affect me, so I'm just going to be quiet, try to stay safe. But the problem is, those people are just as culpable as the ones committing the crimes. And that's what we're seeing in the Republican Party. You got people that think everything that Donald Trump says is fucking crazy would never vote for him, but they won't say anything. They're afraid to say anything. What a party of cowards. You've got a former president sitting in Florida, yapping away, being proved to be a criminal and being corrupt, but they still can't speak against him. That is fucking frustrating, and that doesn't say much for for our governmental system, especially in the Republican Party. I want to talk about something else real quickly. Uh, the National Archives, you remember them. They're the ones that uh, uh, released 700 documents from the White House in and around January 6th to the House Select Committee. Now, of course, you remember Donald Trump wanted to do everything he could to hide all these documents. He didn't want them to become public for very good reason. It would implicate him in January 6th and some of the other things that he was involved in. So he took it to federal court. He lost. He took it to an appellate court. He lost. Then he took it all the way to the Supreme Court where he's got three buddies that he appointed and he lost again. God darn it. Donald Trump thought that was a shoe in I mean, he made those people. They should have voted in favor of him. But the case was so ridiculous, they decided they weren't even going to listen to it. And they just tossed it aside. So all those documents from the National Archives got sent to the House Select Committee. Now, as we go along here, and they're going through these documents, we're getting little bits here and there of evidence. Pretty damning ev- evidence that Donald Trump was in, was involved in a big way. He definitely had some dirty, dirty hands in this situation. But there was another situation in the situation that is even more troubling. You see, The National Archives now tells us that a number of those documents that were sent over the House Select Committee came to them ripped up, torn up. Stuff like uh, pages of uh, the president's diaries, handwritten notes between President Mark Meadows, Mark Meadows and other people. um, Schedules. Now. What you need to understand is if you're a president and you're in the White House, every document that crosses your table there, your desk, has to be retained and archived in the National Archives. Everything. That is why there is something called the Presidential Records Act. Everything must be preserved. And if it's not, it's illegal. And it can be a significant penalty If you don't abide by that. Now, Donald Trump's got plenty of crimes to uh, answer to. And this one is relatively small compared to all the other ones. But it's a crime nonetheless. But the real issue here is, is he just being a dipshit and tearing stuff up? Or does he understand that it's got to go to the National Archives? So he's now ripping up documents to hide evidence, to obstruct justice. That all comes with intent, Uh, presuming he knew what was going on and how this might look bad should somebody see it. Well, based on what we know about Donald Trump, clearly that's the case. He hides everything. He didn't want these even released. So the idea that he tore them up just because he was a dipshit is ridiculous. He tore them up because he knew they might be damning. They might damage him and his office. So he tore them up. But in the process of breaking that Presidential Records Act, which he did, that's categorically true. Now the question is, is he trying to hide evidence? Is he trying to obstruct justice? Now this is something that the DOJ almost has to look into. This is a serious crime. They've got plenty of other things to consider with Donald Trump. But this one, even though it's smaller than some of the other things they look into with Donald Trump, This has to be looked into. It has to be looked into. You can't have that happening. But clearly, Donald Trump breaks laws and rules every day. He only abides by those rules and laws that help him. Everything else thrown out the fucking window or torn up. What I don't understand is if you're in the White House, you're in the Oval Office, you don't have a fucking shredder. You don't have a way to dispose of these things, burn them or whatever. Now, Donald Trump just sat at the Resolute desk, tore them up, and threw them in a garbage can. Well, people who work there realized that we can't do that. We've got to provide this to the National Archives. So much so that some of his aides were confused as to what to do. They know their job, and they know they have to archive every note that is written in the Oval Office or around the Oval Office, but here they are all ripped up. They had to check in and get advice as to what to do. Well, they got back to the National Archives because they still are official documents from the White House, and what the National Archives had to do is they had to take them out, piece them together, and tape them so you could read them. Again, you, you, you don't have a fucking shredder in the White House? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. If you're going to try to damage the notes and the documents, if you're trying to hide evidence, you think you'd make a bigger effort than just tearing them up like, like uh, an old school test or whatever. But that's what they did. And, of course, Donald Trump is a dumb fuck, so it's not surprising that that was his way of trying to hide the evidence. Well, it didn't work. Those things were taped together, sent back to the uh House Select Committee, and now he's going to have to answer for them as well. All right, let's take a break. We'll be back. So we all remember Stuart Rhodes. His actual name, of course, is Elmer Stuart Rhodes. Apparently he doesn't like that first name, so that's why I'm always going to use it. He's the leader of the Oath Keepers, who was... uh, At the insurrection, he was leading the Oath Keepers into the U.S. Capitol. He was recently charged with seditious conspiracy, which is a big charge. Sedition. They don't fuck with that. And he is scheduled now to testify in front of the House Select Committee by Zoom from jail. Because that's where he is now. He's in fucking jail, and they're not going to let him out. He did try to get bail so he can get out and be free until the trial came along. Unfortunately, his ex-wife came along and said, no, this guy's dangerous. You don't want to let him out. Besides, he built some elaborate tunnel system in the backyard to escape the federal authorities. So when the judge heard that, said, fuck it, you're staying in jail, and that's where he sits. Now, he's supposed to testify in front of the House Select Committee. Nobody's really expecting much. I mean, the guy's going to go on trial for seditious conspiracy. He's not going to sit there and talk about the things he's being charged with. I mean, unless he's given some kind of deal, and I suspect they're not giving him a deal. So what's going to happen is he's going to sit down and... uh, um, probably plead the fifth all the way through it. Now, theoretically, you can't plead the fifth for anything, everything. You can only plead the fifth for those things that could actually get you in trouble. You can't just say, I plead the fifth, if they ask you, how's the weather? Because that would be obstruction. There is nothing there that would potentially damage you legally. So you do have to answer that. So I'm assuming these these questioners, these interviewers will ask them questions around the outer portions of these crimes just to get a better sense of what was going on in that situation. I mean, they might ask, did you have direct contact with Donald Trump? Well, there's nothing really there that they can be charged with if he says yes or no. So they may go that route. But there's one thing that Elmer Stewart Rhodes is on the record for saying. He said that um, he believed that once this happened, Donald Trump would sign the Insurrection Act, allowing the government to take control, make it essentially a police state, and then seize the voting machines. Well, that's interesting. I mean, he would have had to have that in his mind prior to the insurrection. You know, this whole thing is just hilarious. They say, oh, no, it just happened with a bunch of tourists. You remember Mo Brooks telling some of these insurrectionists that Donald Trump would give you a blanket pardon. And again, I ask, if your intentions were good and to be nonviolent, why would there be any pardons necessary? This happened before the event. And now we're hearing that uh, Elmer Stewart Rhodes is saying that he thought they would that he would sign the Insurrection Act. Well, if this insurrection was not planned, why would you even be talking about that? If this is a big surprise to everybody, why would you have any knowledge of him thinking about chi- signing the Insurrection Act prior to the insurrection? Well, Donald Trump didn't sign the Insurrection Act. Probably because the people around him were kicking back. They realized what he was trying to pull off, and they didn't want to be part of it, so that they would probably all resign in mass, and embarrass the shit out of Donald Trump. So he was talked out of it. I'm thinking Donald Trump isn't the hardest guy to sell on something. You know, we got Vladimir Putin, says he's a nice guy, he's a talented, smart guy. Then he does whatever Vladimir Putin wants him to do. And that's... That's a typical trait of people with narcissism. They think they're the greatest people in the world. And when other people have the decency and knowledge and intelligence to recognize that they're the greatest people in the world, then they bend over backwards. It's funny. I learned this lesson. I've told you this before. My father was narcissistic, sociopathic, and a pathological liar. Not surprisingly, he was an incredibly successful salesman. I mean, in the 1980s, this guy was making a quarter of a million dollars. Just one guy in a small company hustling his ass off. He made a lot of money. There's no question about that. Because guys like him at a distance look very appealing. It's when they get close, people say, oh, this guy's fucked up. But he made a lot of money. But in the end, he didn't have any money. And that's where Donald Trump is headed. Because people find out who you are. You're not as talented. You don't have the same kind of power that you once have. Nobody holds on to the power that long. But the thing about my dad was, as good a salesman as he was, I could talk him into fucking anything. It wasn't hard. Because he really wasn't critically thinking about the things I was asking about. It was more about how I was asking if i was siding with him if i was joking with him if i was unbended knee and said oh you're a great guy i know you're doing you know just doing all this ass kissing bullshit i remember one time i asked about a mini bike because they were big in the 70s when we were young and i asked for a mini bike and my dad said oh i'm never getting you know, a mini bike and then over time we were talking about stuff, we got interested in different things, and within six months of after asking him for a mini bike, I had a full size racing bike and I was set to do some racing. He even bought the fucking leathers, custom made leathers for me to race this motorcycle. You see, even at a young age in my teens, I knew how to crack this guy, and it was so simple. And that's the same thing with Donald Trump. All you have to do is bow and scrape to him, tell him he's a great guy, then he will give you fucking anything. I know a lot of people like this in my business when I was doing sales. I ran into people like this, and because I had that experience with my father, I had a lot of success with these people because I knew what they wanted to hear, and I knew what they were willing to give up if I gave them what they wanted. It's the same thing with Donald Trump. Donald Trump got that from Putin. He bent over backwards for Vladimir Putin and all these people around him doing the same things. I also want to bring up uh, Black History Month. It is February. I'm recording this on February 1st. Black History Month is this month. And it's a weird time in this country. In my personal opinion, the very least we can do is celebrate the accomplishments and the achievements and the importance of African Americans in this country. Had we not had the influence of African Americans in this country, this country would have been vastly different and vastly worse I mean, you think about all the things that uh, can be attributed to African Americans in this country, from sports to entertainment to government to uh, the judiciary to all the things that they brought to this country to make it better. At the very least, at the very least, we can celebrate that for one month. What we'd be better off doing is giving them the respect that they deserve for 12 months a year. But the problem is that's not what's happening now. We're getting states out there um, installing voter suppression with the intent of making it more difficult for people of color to vote. We've got people whining and crying about critical race theory and how they're going to take it out of their schools in spite of the fact that they don't teach critical race theory in their fucking schools. But they're making it a big deal because they're throwing what red meat to the base, to the white supremacists, the racists. They're just trying to gain popularity in votes by throwing this meat to those animals, even though it's not a thing. Glenn Youngkin said, I'm going to sign an executive order not allowing critical race theory to be taught in our schools. Well, good for you, Glenn, because it's not being taught in your schools. You're creating a problem that doesn't exist, and you're finding a resolution. Wow, that takes fucking talent. But here we are in Black History Month, and there's a lot of history in African American history. A lot of things that, first of all, that are very important in this country But there's also been a lot of suffering and a lot of bullshit. These people don't want to teach anything having to do with black history. A good example, you probably heard the story about Black Wall Street down in Tulsa, Oklahoma. There was a section of town where black people, African Americans, lived and worked and ran businesses. And these people were highly successful. They made a lot of money. They were very wealthy. And then one day something happened. Somebody, some woman, I believe, uh, made a false accusation against one black member of that part of town. Next thing you know, you got whites coming in hordes, shooting, killing, burning everything down. I mean, this whole community was wiped out, and all the money that was there was stolen by those white fucks. Now, that's a tragedy. And that's terrible. (laughs) But the real fucked up thing about this is nobody ever talked about it. If you go to school in Tulsa, they will never tell you that story. And why? Because it makes white people look bad. Well, let's be honest. They were fucking horrific. And they should be taught about that so we can avoid it in the future. But they refuse to teach it. And that's what these Republicans or trump are trying to do now. They're trying to exclude these uh, history of of African-Americans, especially the positive ones or the bad ones where they were depicted as the villains. They want to just do away with it. Let me tell you something. Whether it be white people or African-American people or Chinese people or Or all Asian people, or whatever. This has been a melting pot since it began. And every community has done its part to advance our country to where we are today. It's just those old white people that refuse to acknowledge people of color and their contributions to this country. So much so, they want to take the vote away from them. So much so, they want to hide all of their history. They don't want to talk about racism. They don't want the white people to look bad. Well, the fact of the matter is, racism was very prominent in our history. And it's a big part of our times now. It needs to be taught, even if it's bad, even if it makes white people look bad, it needs to be taught. But these people, no, these people don't want that. They want to ban books. They want to talk about critical race theory. They want to get rid of anything that talks about anything about people of color. And that's frightening. That is frightening. I mean, the reason it's frightening for you old white people that say, well, it's not affecting me, you know, I'm not worried about it. Well, you should worry about it. Anytime one group of people is attacked and marginalized and it works, do you think they're going to stop there? Maybe they decide, oh, you know, let's go after all the old people. They're almost dead anyway. We might as well take them out. Or young people, or tall people, or short people, fat people, skinny people, Christians, Muslims. These people, if they're successful in doing what they're trying to do to people of color, puts all of us at danger. That's why we have to protect everything that's going on with these white supremacists, these racists, if we do not stop them They will go after other people that are not like them. Say they're Republicans or at least perceive themselves as Republicans. They're going after black people. Well, now maybe they'll go after Democrats or, like I said, old people or young kids because those young kids don't know anything. My point is this. We've got a problem with racism and white supremacy in this country, and it's happening right under our noses. And something needs to be done for it. If not for people of color who are suffering through this, that should be enough for us to take action and put a stop to this bullshit. But if that's not even enough for you, how about worrying about yourself? Because if you let this go and you let this happen, there's going to be another group and another group and another group. And it could affect you or somebody you love. So at least have enough fucking sense to have some foresight to understand why this is a problem. Fact of the matter is, um, for Black History Month, we should all take the time to look at black history. We are all, and when I say we, I'm talking about we white people that were in our schools in various parts of the country. There's a lot of things we weren't taught about. They just didn't come up. You see, you have to understand in the 60s, 70s, 50s, racism was accepted. I mean, it was just part of life. People looked at black people like uh, second-class citizens. I mean, I lived in a house with a father who was racist. Everything about that era had a tinge of racism in it. We had the Civil Rights uh, Bill, and that was good. And that helped a little, but it didn't end racism. It didn't end people of color being marginalized or brutalized. It didn't do that totally. It was a start, and it was a start that we should have continued, but we didn't. And now it's back to where it was in the 60s and the 50s, and that is fucking unacceptable. We can't allow that to happen. And no better time than Black History Month to pay tribute to all the achievements from African-American people. But now we got to protect what they've gotten to this point. We've got to stop the racism. We've got to snuff out white supremacy. And it won't be a pretty thing. These people are violent. They're vicious. They're liars. They're corrupt. They're criminals. We need to address them as who they are. And we may have to get tough about it. I'm not talking about fighting in the street, but we need to start arresting these people, taking them out of commission. I've said that before about Donald Trump. We need to stop him, shut him up, and take him out of the equation. Now, people will say, "Are you mean violently? No, I don't. We've got all these things going on with Donald Trump. We need to get him indicted. Because once he's indicted for the first thing, the others will follow quickly behind and he'll be so fucking tied up and embarrassed and um, his mouth will be shut. And then he won't be able to stir up the violence, the the racism and all the things he's doing currently in this country. I mean, I told you yesterday or the day before, whenever it was, I told you that Donald Trump gave his speech in Texas. And he was imploring his toothless fucking Trumplicans to protest, bigger than they've ever protested, in front of the buildings of the various prosecutors or investigating him. You know, one in New York, the Attorney General in New York. We've got Georgia, and we've got Washington, D.C. And the funny thing is, he wants you to protest in front of these people bigger than ever before? Bigger than the insurrection? Can it get bigger than the insurrection? Well, yeah, it can. He called all these prosecutors racists, What's ironic is that each one of these prosecutors is black. So now you're telling me with your white supremacy that these black prosecutors are racist against you. Because you clearly committed the crimes. But see, that's what he does. It's all about projection. Whatever anybody says about him, he says, yeah, but you're twice as worse. We need to address this issue. This is a tipping point in this country. This is the basis for violence. We've already seen it with George Floyd and the riots and such. And it's going to get worse. I mean, people can only be marginalized, brutalized, and... uh, taken advantage of so long before they've had enough, before they think it's their very life that they're protecting, and you can't blame them. I'm not advocating any kind of violence, but people can only be pushed so far. You know, with all the crazy shit that's going on in this country, it's real easy to forget about some other important issues, and I think we have. And I want to bring it up again because we can't afford to forget about this. We've all got all these disconcerting news stories, all this crazy shit that happens. But I want to remind you of something we had in this country that was important, that did good work. But now we're not talking about it. Nobody's talking about it. The Republicans, the Democrats, the media, nobody's talking about it. And we should because it's important. Do you remember when Joe Biden brought about this tax, uh, child tax credit? Yeah, it was a good thing. And, and this child tax, tax credit put money into the hands of parents to handle and take care of their kids. And what this tax credit did is it pulled 50 percent of the kids in poverty, pulled them out of poverty, put clothes on their back, a roof over their head and food in their mouth. Took 50% of the kids in poverty out of poverty. That's a great thing. That's exactly the kind of thing this country, the richest country in the world, should fucking do. So who would be against something like that? Well, as good as that tax credit is, I got some news for you you may not have heard. Or maybe you forgot about. Maybe you didn't, but a lot of people have because you don't hear anybody talking about it. Well, that tax credit is done. It's over. Nobody's getting any more checks. And presumably, these kids, this 50% of the kids in poverty who were taken out, are now being pushed back into fucking poverty. Now, how appalling is that? We give these kids a taste of a better life, and then we take it back from them. That's fucking cruel. I don't care what you say in anybody's book. That is fucking cruel. Now, why did this happen? Well, the only way the tax credit, the child tax credit, would continue is if we pass the Build Back Better bill. And we all know what happened with that. They tried, they tried, they tried, but it was blocked. And who was it blocked by? Two Democratic senators, Christian Cinema, and Joe Manchin. They didn't like the Build Back Better bill. Apparently they don't like kids, especially poor kids, because they took the food and the money out of their families, took it away from them after having a little taste of it. That's fucking cruel. Now, I don't care if you didn't like other parts of the Build Back Better bill, then you should have done something to maintain that child tax credit. Because at the very least, what this country should do is take care of its children. But instead, they decided to... Shut it down. Now, they're going to talk about the Build Back Better bill again, but we know we can't trust Manchin or Cinema to do the right thing. They're getting all kinds of heat. Kristen Cinema is probably going to be a one-term senator because nobody in fucking Arizona likes her. Now, I don't know if that'll be strong enough to change their mind and get on board with this uh, Build Back Better deal. But they need mansion and cinema to vote for it if it ever gets enacted. And, of course, if we get by 2022 and the Republicans take charge, then it's done forever. It'll never happen. Now, of course, I've said to you before, and I stand by it, 2022 isn't going to be a win for the Republicans. It's going to be a horrible loss. Too much shit going on. Too many bad things for the Republicans. They can't win. It's not going to happen. Democrats will maintain the power in the House and the Senate. And then after that, then the Democrats can pretty much do what they want. But now we gave these kids the child tax credit. Now we take it away from them. These kids that were out of poverty are now broke again and have to struggle for food, clothing, and housing. That is fucking appalling for this country. We can fight over stupid shit like the uh, integrity of the filibuster, like mansion and cinema did. Well, that filibuster has done no good for this country. It's only held people of color back. And yet that's more important to you than feeding children. Well, that's pretty fucked up. And my point is, is with all this other stuff going on, it's always been that way with, with, with Donald Trump. He does something bad and everybody's in an uproar. Then he does something worse. And then they forget about that. And they worry what, what's the bigger story now. Now, in spite of the fact this child tax credit maybe isn't as sexy as fake electors or the insurrection, it's still just as important. We need to bring this to the surface again. We need the media talking about it. We need the Democrats talking about it. See, that's, that's the fucking thing that upsets me more than anything. We know the Republicans aren't for it. They aren't for anything, and they certainly don't like poor kids. But the Democrats— They're the ones that put together this child tax credit, and now it's done? Do you see them weeping? Do you see them upset? Do you see them yelling and screaming about it? No, they're not fucking doing anything about it. Maybe it's because they feel like they can't do anything. But listen, if you're elected to office, Senate or the House, you need to be on top of everything. That's part of the fucking job. And if you do something good for the kids of America, great. But you can't fall off the shelf on this thing. You've got to continue. And if the Build Back Better deal doesn't work, then maybe you need an executive order from Joe Biden. But you've got to do something. This isn't about policy necessarily. This is about the health and welfare of the children in our country. And what, frankly, is more important than that? There is fucking nothing. At the very least, you need to do something. So I'm as mad at the Democrats as anybody because they should be doing something. The media doesn't care about it. It's not the hot new topic, but it's important. And we need to address it. We need to talk about it. And we need to bring it to light again. All right. I'm going to wrap it up for the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to really thank you for spending the time you do listening to me. For for <laughs> I have no reason why you would, but you do and I appreciate it immensely. We keep getting bigger numbers with the podcast. I'm glad to hear that. As I've told you before, the podcast is my end game. TikTok was the start of it, but I've always wanted to do the podcast. This is where I feel the most comfortable and I appreciate you coming to listen as often as you do. I mean, I'm doing these like almost every day and people keep coming. So I'm happy and appreciative of all that. If you have questions or comments, by all means, send me an email directly at rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm, look for Rational Boomer Podcast, and leave a voicemail. All right, I hope you have a great rest of the day. And uh, I'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.